Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Blue and Gold Make Darlene. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And we finally have our very special guest that we've been teasing for a little bit. We've had some scheduling issues, but it has finally come to fruition and happened. We're very excited. Welcome Chris Ostrander from Two in the Box on to Blue and Gold Make Darlene. Yeah, man. Hey, I have to apologize. The day I was, the first time I was supposed to come, I was like at work. I was like, I think I have the flu. And I went home and I slept for like twelve hours, if not more. So I was like, I was like, I think I can do it. I that's think right. I can we make just, it. I we like, shit talked to you with TJ. The I figured. Time. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's understandable. I wanted to, that was the one I wanted to be here for too, especially it was a that would have been a good conversation. So. Well, we'll see because yeah. I mean, as I'm things, sure it'll uh, come up. I was well, yeah. I was gonna say as you know, if things potentially start to spiral and you know, playoffs are definitively out of the question, then I'm sure we'll probably do some more. Uh, yeah. Fun episodes like that, yeah. but yeah, welcome though. I mean, what's what? Let's talk about uh, two in the box first a little bit. What's the latest? What have you been working yeah, on? Yeah, I'm especially lazy these days, so I've had on my computer desktop. I've had three posts, like skeleton posts, written. Uh, I finally posted one of them on Friday night. Friday night, I posted it. Just a deadline preview, so that's mm-hmm. up now. It's about two thousand words worth of. <laughs> hockey players that i'd like to say we should tra- trade for but so that's on the that's on the blog got the podcast uh that we release usually tuesday nights into wednesday morning it's typical when we release and then um like i've been sitting on doing something about like the whole Dwayne, the screw-ups they've had this year with the anniversary stuff but and i had started writing it and then i just sat on it and like the Dwayne thing happened and like two weeks went by i was like i'm like way too late so i'll, I'll probably like revisit mm-hmm. it Maybe at, like, near fan appreciation night, I'll probably come back around to it or something nice. like that. But I'm just kind of like, so, like, I don't know. Like, I used to have more time to write, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, So and I don't so much now. So I've been slacking. So I, like, throw a lot of stuff on Twitter and, and stuff like that. Well, that honestly, we could talk about both of those things, both, you know, the deadline and then also getting to some of, like, the 50th anniversary stuff, just because I know, you know, you're very outspoken about that. Um, and I think that our opinions on that are pretty aligned. So, yeah, you probably. know, we could just kind of yell for a little bit together. Um, but uh, <clears throat> just to, to jump in then, um, I can confidently and correctly say Taylor and I can report that the trade deadline is Monday tomorrow. Well, today yeah. when you're listening to this, uh, for our last episode, uh, or last week's episode, apologies again for misspeaking there and thinking that it was last week. Uh, but we, <laughs> we are very... Uh, 
in a weird spot, I guess. You know, so we're just coming off of a two to one win against Winnipeg. We're now six points out of a playoff spot behind Toronto. Toronto has a game in hand on us. Uh, I think it's the opposite, isn't it? What's that? We have a game in hand, don't we? Doesn't Toronto played sixty three and we played sixty? Buffalo. Played oh, 63. I misspoke. I'm sorry. Toronto has played one more game than us. Yeah, my <clears throat> apologies there. So the Sabres are in a little bit of an interesting spot. Um, you know, of course, just to I mean, we all know where we're at, but you know, strong start to the year, tapered off, stabilized, tapered off, now kind of playing pretty solid as of late again. Um, so Chris, I mean, just start things off. Where do you think the Sabres stand heading into the deadline? I think had they lost one or both of these games this weekend, they would have been absolutely selling. And they may still do it. They may still end up, like, just looking at the UFAs they have. I, I can't imagine they keep most of these guys. Like, Connor Sheary's probably got some value. Yoan mm-hmm. Larson definitely has value, whether or not they want to trade him. But, like, I think had they lost these two games, they would have sold. Like, no question, they would have sold probably upwards of three or four guys. And you would have seen, like, like Sean Malone would get a deal. Right. You know, they'll, they'll sign Sean Malone to a contract just like they did with Taylor Lair. Those two guys would come up. Maybe C.J. Smith finally gets a look. Right. But that would have been it. And they would have just packed it in like, all right, maybe we can get a couple younger guys in the lineup. And they, you know, there's there would have been room for them to, like, rotate Andrew Logal at the end. Mm-hmm. Get, a guys, get guys up for a, a week or so, get a few games in the NHL, send them back to Rochester. But it, and it would have been a slog to the end of the year. It would have been a terrible final 15, 20 games. So now that they're within, you know, they're within shouting distance at least, like, it's a, I don't know, it's a tough call. I think back to, like, 2016. I think it would have been the 27, no, the 2016 deadline when, right when Kyle Ekposo got hurt, they were a point out of the playoffs entering the bye week. They came out of the bye week, or they were a point out exiting the bye week. One way, I'm going to get those two confused, but they were, like, right in the hunt. They were in the playoff race firmly, like, definitively in the race. Ekposo gets hurt out of the blue and and then obviously we know how how that spiraled completely right. out of control yeah. like that went really sideways and they're probably like in a way i think he's still dealing with it but they were in that hunt and all tim murray did at that deadline was sold off like mike weber i think it was like he he sold off a couple pieces mm-hmm. and that was it like they didn't make any acquisitions nor did they like. Con- I think they didn't do any NHL moves. That was 17. 16, 17. Yeah, I think that's who you're talking about. No, I'm thinking Cause, 15, 16. Because they, they signed Oposo in 16, summer. So that so would have been the 16, yeah, 17? 16, 17. You're right, you're right. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. So the 17 deadline, that's when he got fired. They just traded Kachi. Con- right. Yeah, they traded for Matt Bodie. And yeah. that was it. That's right. Okay. Huge move. So, wow. so then it would have been 15, 16 would have been, that would have been Weber and then yeah. McGinn, which is yes. another terrible mm. decision to, to trade McGinn. Yeah. And but um, and we, right. I could go on a whole thing about that. But, <laughs> so yeah, so you're right. So uh, thank you for correcting me. So so it was like the 17 deadline then when Murray ha- was they were still in kind of, and they were sliding like they were sliding at that point. But like they were in a position where it's like, all right, are we gonna try to be winners or are we gonna rotate this back out again once more and see where we stand? And he didn't do either of those things because I think he even had like he had Kulikov who had been terrible, yeah. but he had Kulikov was UFA. And there were a couple other guys in that roster they could have conceivably dumped, just at least to get a couple draft picks. And he didn't do any. He didn't do anything. He literally made an AHL trade, and that was it. And then he got fired. So <laughs> that was the end of it for Murray. But they're in a similar situation to that, I think, because they're not really in it. 
and like judge before this past week or so they really weren't in it at all yeah and then they've kind of clawed their way back again and sniffing around relevance so like it's really hard to say like do you like they're not columbus last year right right like you're not gonna sell a couple pros and they don't have the prospect pool to sell off anyway but like they're not gonna go hard after a couple rentals like we know i think we we can say that definitively Mm -hmm. but they like it would be really refreshing if just to see because it's been like six years since this has happened like to just see some additions yeah. You know, and that's like, like obviously, like the two years of the tank, you got to throw those right out. But at no point in Murray's deadlines, at any of those three deadlines he worked through, did they ever make any significant addition off the top of my head? Yeah, not really. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think the Kane one counts that was too early before the deadline. Like yeah, well, no, I, we should count that. I think it's fair to that's yeah. deadline season. So he made the Kane trade. But Kane, you couldn't even. He wasn't even. Yeah. Right, he yeah. Was and that yeah, was the tank. Right. It was still the tank year, right? Yeah. Too. So, like. But so like in those in the years when they were supposedly trying to win, at least I don't think he made any significant no, not, additions, not really at all, no. um, yeah. if any. And Botterill hasn't though either. Like Botterill acquired Brandon Montour, so like that's been it. So yeah. at the time it was an exciting trade. So like I, I guess I like I would even I would like to see something like that again. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would have no issues whatsoever if like they made a trade in that neighborhood. Not necessarily trading their first, but because they only have the one to work with, but. Um, that would be, it would make things more exciting. It makes things interesting, at least. And I think that's the least we could ask for. But so, Taylor, I want to actually turn it to you. I mean, what are your? If you're Jason Botterill, how do you approach tomorrow? Well, today, technically, for those listening, I feel like I wouldn't approach it like a buyer or a seller, which is a weird way to say it. Like, mm-hmm. but I kind of get the point. Like, like looking for like maybe a player for player deal. Obviously, that long-awaited deal where you get a top six forward for Risto. It doesn't seem yeah. like that's ever gonna happen, but. I would try. One um, I would look into. I would be open to moving Montour, depending on what the what the return is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have talked about like Trochuk's come up a lot, and that's kind of a concern. He's his numbers are really dipped the past couple of years. Yeah, but, an ankle injury really. Yeah. Hurt him. So I don't. I don't know. He's still young enough that he could bounce back, but I'd be a little bit worried. Uh, so I think I wouldn't be looking to be like, well, I'll just get rid of whoever we can. Like if a deal comes up where someone's like wants to give uh, Buffalo a third for Sheary, sure. Or, you know, a guy like that. Like, someone like Larson. Larson's kind of weird because it's like, you should be able to replace a fourth-line center. But, like, he, you know. He's also right. the second-best center. Right. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. though. He's also, like, one of the five forwards who does what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Like, like it's – so that's kind of tough, I understand. Uh, yeah, I, I just think I wouldn't look at either way. And obviously, I would not be looking, like, like you said, to, to move a bunch of picks or prospects for rentals. Uh, I'd be looking more long term for guys. Yeah. guys that are under control for a couple of years, like Montour last right. year was under a year and a half of control, <clears throat> something like that. Yeah, for me, I, I don't know. I, in a way, kind of, I, I, my thoughts on this is that I want them to be a little bit irrational. Like, are they actually going to make the playoffs? Very good chance that it's not going to happen. More likely than not, that it is definitely not going to happen. I'm just. In my mind, though, like just with how this season has gone, everything included, both just in terms of like the highs and lows of it, you know, the scrutiny that's come up, Dwayne, everything, like I just want to see him go for it. Like, mm-hmm. show you have a pulse a little bit. Now, that, it, like I said, like that's why I wanted to, you know, preface this. Like, that's probably the reckless move to make. But like today, you know, today's game against Winnipeg is a perfect reminder. Like, obviously, as of late, um, people have been ragging on Jeff Skinner for not being able to score. But, like, if you, like, ISO him and watch him in the games, like, 
the ways that he's able to contribute that don't show up on the score sheet are insane. And he's doing it carrying around the other two line mates who he's playing mm-hmm. with. For me, like you got to get somebody on his level playing with him because he is just going to take off. Like, he does create offense for himself, and he does create it for his teammates as well. He just has been having trouble finishing, and we know that, historically speaking, he's always been a streaky player. But, like, put somebody – go get somebody who is at his level or, like, near his level in terms of talent. Like, show you have a pulse, you know. Like, for me – we're, you know, we always say like, oh, like, is this the like the the lowest it's ever been? Because now we're just kind of meddling. But like, let's do something here. Like, come out of this, show that like you actually care about trying to make the playoffs. Like, we, I mean, because like, what's the point really? Like, you don't know where you stand. You're probably not going to get a top pick because they're honestly the way that they're playing now. Plus, with potentially Allmark coming back, like, they're going to be probably around like, you know, eight to. 14 and I know 8 to 14 15 range for like um you know where they're gonna stand with like a draft pick or whatever so like I for me I'm just like I know it's probably not the smartest thing to do but like go make a move I mean there's been rumored deals out there with like Ristolainen and everything you know obviously Winnipeg was the hot topic in like the early part of the season the beginning Vegas has come up a bit um you know some other teams there I mean Vegas not so much anymore now after the Martinez trade but like I don't know I'm just at the point where like what are we doing like are, this hockey team just solely exists to exist. Like, go do something of note. No, like, make something happen because what's the point? Like, are you really trying to do this again? Like, without even really like trying to make a push? You know, you've gone like we talked about before. However many straight years where you just have no action at the trade deadline of anything really of note, and you know, how has that worked out for us? Terribly. So put yourself in a position where you can actually do something. I don't know. That's at least where I stand. I'm curious for what your guys' thoughts are on that as compared to maybe, like, staying put or just trying to, like, sell off the UFAs. Honestly, even selling, they've done a pretty bad job since, like, 2013. Forever? Darcy <laughs> had that good run of, like, he got a lot of value for Pominville, for Vanek even, too. Uh, Miller, that was Murray, and it was kind of decent value. It was a good trade. Like, the guys it. that, like, the picks and the players haven't turned out. Like, yeah. Terry's a fourth liner, right? Yeah. But, like, it was a good package, right? It, yeah, like, considering it was only, like, 20 games yeah, or yeah. left in his contract. But the, yeah, but since then it hasn't been. Yeah, like right. they've done, like, they did a bad job. Like, I think the tank year, they didn't have much to work with, but they also didn't get good value right. for what they could have done. And then after that, besides getting a third from, like, Weber, it's been, like, bad deal for Kane, bad deal for O'Reilly, not at the deadline, but obviously that right. didn't work out. Uh, I don't feel like they've gotten good value in that anyway. But obviously, then these guys aren't. I don't think you're looking for anyone that you'd be trading. You wouldn't be looking for anything crazy, aside from Mr. Line and maybe Montour. If you were going to look, if someone wanted VC for some reason, yeah. or even Sheary, Larson, all these other guys, you probably wouldn't be looking for too crazy anyway. The other thing is, I don't think I'd want to... I think there's a few guys in Rochester I'd like to see maybe come up if there were some trades, but mm-hmm. it's not like there's any forwards off the top of my head who it's like, man, you really have to... like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like you have to bring this guy back. Right, even right. middle stats, like fine down there let him do his thing i think i saw most recently what is he he's at like in his past like 20 something games down there i think he has like 17 or 18 points so that's at least a little bit refreshing to see. yeah he had like those first five or six he didn't do anything nothing and then he kind of i think he's at like 25 or six games played and then probably 18 points right so he's like flirting with a decent rate nothing great yeah still yeah but those first few games impacted it but yeah like aside from smith 
who should be up. He's to me. He's like but, this is like the Bailey Baptiste thing yeah, that yeah. we talk about, where you just bury these guys down there. You bring them up for ten games, and you're like, oh, well, they didn't score twenty goals, yeah. so you know. And he might just, just be a player. I mean, he might be like Bailey and Baptiste, and right? He's just a good minor leaguer, but you never really got to see him much of him. Like, right. Yeah, Smith didn't even get that. That's what I mean. Right. Been there yeah. I mean, he like I remember. Yeah, he's just been a weird spot, and maybe they just don't like him because he's a Murray Murray guy, yeah. and maybe that's why he's it not playing. Be. But um, yeah, aside from aside from him, and then like I'd like to see Ogilvy. Like I have lower mm-hmm. hopes for what Ogilvy would do than Smith at this point. But those are the only two forwards yeah. that I'd have any interest in seeing. And then they want Rochester to win, so yeah. if they sell, even if they just sell, like they would if they have six UFAs or six guys, if you count Erod, I think they have six right now. Bogosian gone. They have six guys who would be, like, firm on their for sale list. And they're all the crappy UFAs that are, you know, yeah. like, they, maybe they get a few thirds, like, the best-case scenario. But if they sold three of those guys off, they're going to have to rip three guys out of Rochester, and that affects Rochester's down the stretch. So they, they probably don't want – they probably don't love the idea of doing that. Yeah. Which is, in a way, adds some hope that Monday could be interesting if they decide, like, okay – we're gonna sell, like we're gonna sell Larson, Sherry, and Frolik. Let's just say those are the three guys they sell off. And they're like, we don't want to bring up three guys from Rochester, so we're gonna work to bring in two extra bodies, or whoever. And maybe you see two new faces that are guys who are gonna be here for mm-hmm. more than twenty games, which would be, again, like it would be refreshing because yeah. again they haven't done much at the at least at the deadline. So at least you get you get the hope of like. You know, they get to go get a guy like nothing really. Like, you know what? Toronto's done a couple interesting things. They traded for Dennis Mulligan, and then they traded for uh, Mika Salamaki yesterday. Like, neither of those guys are going to blow your doors off. Like, they don't have great resumes, mm-hmm. but they're both young guys. Like, Salamaki especially, like, is, like, an analytics darling. Like, if you went and grabbed a guy like that, like, kind of stuck. Like, a few years ago, there was a kid, guy who was playing in Anaheim, Ponis Auberg, like he hasn't really turned into anything, but he's like made the rounds. So he was like, just you grab a guy like that, at, at least is like, okay, this player is like really good AHLer. Maybe he just needed an opportunity, and you get to play him a little higher in the lineup. And and like, I mean, maybe nothing comes of it. Maybe we're you know maybe by April we're like, oh, that guy stinks. Like you spent a sixth rounder or a fifth rounder or whatever on like, but um, I mean, short of like you mentioned Trocheck, like I like the idea of Trocheck. I think, uh, uh, what's his name? Dmitry Filipovich wrote a really good write-up on him on ESPN. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. saw it or not. I did not see um, it. He made a really interesting observation on Trocek. And injury notwithstanding, when he scored 30 goals and 70 points, he was getting power play one time. And I think Jonathan Huberto was his most common line mate oh, wow. at even strength. Yeah. And now, like, he literally played a game with Mark Pissick on his wing <laughs> right. this year, right? Yeah. So, like, now his most common line mates are, like, Noel Achari... Mark Pissick played with him at least one game. Like so, his line, his his quality of teammate certainly has gone down. But he strikes me because he's still going to be in like the fifty point neighborhood. Yeah. And when like aside from and like obviously O'Reilly was the last one, but like they haven't had a, a quality fifty point center here in quite a while. Like I think he could make some magic with Skinner. Now whether or not he's going to be the player that he was when he got his contract and he scored thirty goals, I that's tough to say, but. Um, I also don't know how they make that deal by the deadline. Like, I don't under, like, even yeah. if it, like, like Friedman, meant, Elliot Friedman mentioned that Ristolainen's stock is down. 
So whether it's Ristolainen and Ramontre, I don't care what which if they trade both of them would be fine. But like, even if those two are the center of the deal, like what else is Florida asking for to to get that done? And like, I mean, it would be that would be a great deal to make because at least yeah. you're like you're making a significant addition. He's under contract for one more year, I think it is two more. Um, it'd be fun, you know. Like at the very least, you'd be yeah. mm-hmm. kind of to your point, Brendan. Like yeah. it'd be fun again, right? You, That's what you'd I have mean. Some in- and, like, you don't want... At the same time, I will just interject to say, though, I do want them to, like, take a swing for the fences, but also I don't trust Botterill to properly yeah, value the guys who he's getting and sending out. Yeah, that's a tough thing, too, right? Like, he, at, the, at the beginning of his tenure, like, the counter-sherry trade was, like, still really smart trade. Yeah. And it seemed like he was going to be able to identify talent. Like, he, that's what he was known for, right? Like, and then... Almost every one of his forward editions has not been very good. Well, and the thing that I've been thinking about, I, I think that a lot of times, any hockey team for that matter, like when trades happen, everybody in the fan base is like, oh, well, why didn't we do that? And like, I know Sabres fans are certainly like guilty of it, but like, as of late, like, I've been rationalizing a lot more, it a lot more because guys are getting moved who the Sabres have potentially been um, linked to. So like, mm-hmm. Andre, uh, Kasha yeah. is like a perfect example of that. In terms of like the value for that, I am perplexed by that deal because thinking about it in the context of the Sabres, like realistically speaking, does like Opozo with like 30% of his salary retained, like Samuelson or Johnson and like a second round pick get that deal done? If that does actually get that deal done, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. Like right. I-, I was just shocked about that, the fact that they were able to unload Bacchus's contract and get like your like a top mm-hmm. six quality forward yeah. and they probably like Bacchus uh, and it, that's he's a Bob Murray type guy yeah like, they're heavy right so like but even a Pozo, like you can't I, I don't know I guess like we Taylor and I always talk about it. I think we've talked about it with you too like you can never underestimate the stupidity of an NHL GM because oh, of the yeah. fact that like these moves happen all the time and I, and I like the interesting thing with that deal for me is like it was at at the same time, it was too much to pay for Kasha, but not much at all. Right. You know, like, yeah. I never thought he'd go for a first for what it's worth. I was like, surprised, I was surprised at first yeah. one. But then you take into account, like, Boston's probably going to be... It's going to be, like, 25, 25 right? Yeah, yeah. So you're flirting with the bottom of the first round anyway, but I just wonder, again, from, like, the Buffalo perspective, would they have had to include salary? Like, if you're saying, here's our second round Because there's pick. an extra year is really why I was Yeah, he has one that. more year, right? So, and, like, Postal's got three more, right? I Two think more, I think, okay. after this, so, I believe, yeah. That, and that, might have been, that would have influenced it as well, but, I mean, quite frankly, salary aside, like, he's pretty good. Yeah, oh, you yeah, know, like, I agree. Yeah. So, um, I just wonder, like, could they have not just said, like, okay, we're, we're here's our second round pick. We're going to pick between 38 and... 41 mm-hmm. we're, they're gonna be in that neighborhood right like that's not if you if you look at draft the way draft picks grade out like you're not that far off yeah now to a gm it's a lot it doesn't have a one next to it as a two so like that's a big deal for them but if it was a second and to your point like samuelson johnson like a quality prospect yeah. that is equal to or better than that anderson kid like i have to imagine that would have been considered but I don't like. They must like Bacchus. That's my only guess. Yeah. And the fact that they got a first. Like at the end of the day, you can say you got a first. Right. Like Botterill, The fact that Kane resigned in San Jose saved his skin a little bit. Like they got a first on mm-hmm. that deal. Like otherwise it would have been looked real bad. Hell. Really, really, really bad. Yeah. So. Isn't that first Montour now? 
Yeah, I think so. I, I believe it turned into Montour. So mm. the only and the only silver line in there is if they trade Montour for a forward. So just say right. Trocheck. Let's just say yeah. Trocheck, just for argument's sake. Like you launder that you laundered Trocheck through Montour. Like if I'm just giving up a first and a D prospect for Trocheck, I feel good about it, right? Yeah. So if I was trading a first and Gooley for him, like if Montour had to be the middleman for it, then so be it. But depends what they also have to add, of course. But I mean. Yeah, it's I don't know. Like I love Brandon Montour still. Like he hasn't been the player I that they need him to be. But he's such an interesting case. Yeah, I, I like the think, offense just isn't there, which yeah. sucks because I love the way he plays. Right. I mean, we know like his tools, like for what his strengths are. He's a great skater. He plays with a, a bit of bite in his game, mm-hmm. which I definitely like a lot. Um, you know, he moves the puck well, but yeah, it's it really is kind of perplexing and just. <laughs> to be blunt, like it sucks that it, I know offense actually come together. They, that's the one, probably the one guy who misses Housley. Right, it's him. Like <laughs> yeah. it seemed like Housley would let his D wheel a little bit more. I think I, I have a feeling that Kruger and Smith maybe together, but definitely Kruger since that's the main difference. Is they seem to want them to make him stretch passes more than leg in the puck. So short of Darlene, but I want to ask your thoughts actually on Ralph Kruger. I mean, I, it's a big topic of discussion here. You know, a, a few weeks ago. We were having uh, a talk just, you know, it was when things were going very, very poorly mm-hmm. and we were both like kind of just ranting, you know, and I made a comment, which I still to a lesser extent kind of agree with, but like in the moment I was like, nothing that Kruger does really matters because the team isn't good enough as it is. And so like, yeah, we're going to get mad that he's not putting Skinner with Jack or doing this or doing that. But like at the end of the day, like the team isn't good enough. So like, it doesn't matter. I, Obviously, that's a heat of the moment thing. And to an extent, I still kind of believe that because they just need to be better. Like, the moves you make, like, yeah, like, obviously, it's going to make us all feel better. But, like, if you're not in playoff contention mm-hmm. or in a spot, like, to strike, then, like, whatever. But he, there's just so many things that really, really stand out that are so easy to fix. You know, playing McCabe in the last two minutes of any game, like, any of the yeah. game today with, like, the... Uh, Montour missed a line and pair. Continuing, continuously putting those two together when their metrics just can like come back as terrible. Um, you know, not trying Sam on his own line, not putting Skinner back up with Jack. There's like a lot of these things that are, are head scratchers. And so, you know, with that being said, also I mean there are some good things that Kruger has done as well. Um, but I'm just curious your thoughts on his tenure so far and where you kind of see, you know, him moving forward with the Sabers. The one observation I made recently was that. We spent the last four or five years complaining that Bilesma and Housley shuffled lines too much, and now we spent at least half of this year complaining that Kruger won't right. change his lines. Yeah. So like, it's just two two different sides of, of the street. But like, I think it just shows like most NHL coaches, even a guy who's been gone for five years and was in soccer, mm-hmm. they still have a lot of deep seated beliefs about how things go and like. You know, people thought he was going to be like a real analytics deep guy, and it doesn't sound like he is from just from so what I can tell. Like, I just think it's harder to find those guys than anyone realizes. Because right. even Brindamore, like, there's no way you could have ever convinced me that Rod Brindamore would be like an analytics guy. And he made a recent comment. I was like, so how do you how do you use it? He goes, I don't understand it, and I don't like them, but they keep telling me that it makes a difference. And when we do some, when we do most, he's basically said like. <laughs> they tell me it makes a difference, and when we try a lot of these things, it works. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm not going to argue with it. Right. So, like, he at least accepts it. But I think, like, 
you I bet there are fewer than six coaches in the NHL who are really like into it. And there's probably fewer than six coaches who would be like top candidates to be to replace anyone who really Swedish buy into it. Darling Ricard Maybe Goldberg, like baby. <laughs> like I don't even know if you like I wouldn't be surprised if they would hired him that you saw all the same crap with yeah. that that Housley or Bilesman that any other old school coach does and the same thing goes with GMs like people were kind of thinking like oh maybe Botterill's a forward thing guy like no not really no. and it's just I just think it's it's harder for these guys to be found and then I don't like I don't want to get too deep into it but like knowing that the teams use so much so many different metrics than what's publicly available I'm very curious to know how that affects things because I remember when they when the Sabres traded for Kulikov I remember talking to Matt Collar about it. I was like do you think that they have numbers that show Kulikov does X, Y, and Z on like net front play, board play, and mm-hmm. things like that, where it's more of a, like they're trying to track what he does from a physicality, like a, a, a old school, not even old school, but like a traditional defensive defenseman type thing. Like, I wonder if they have metrics that show that. And he goes, I don't think that they want to be that granular. I was like, I'm just want, like, it's the only thing that makes sense to me, the way that he talked about him. But like, and Matt would know better than I would anyway, but like, I just, it's so hard for me to get, wrap my mind around like, all right, where, like, at what point do you find the disconnect that between what the Sabres are doing and what some of the teams that have bought in analytically are doing? Mm-hmm. And how do you bridge that gap? Like, is it ownership? Like, does someone have to, like, go out to lunch with Terry and be like, actually, analytics are good? And, like, it has to be a former player that says is there it to him. <laughs> you know, like, who's going to get a former player who, like, Insist they say grace for two minutes before they... Right, yeah. <laughs> but, because, like, because he hired LaFontaine basically after going to lunch, right? Like, yeah. you hear all these stories like, oh, I had lunch with this guy. I just fell in love with him, and now he's the president of this department. You right, know, like, yeah. like so does it, short of literally, like, finding the one Sabres alum who's like, no, analytics are great. These are why they're good. And then getting him in front of Terry, like, I, I just, like, is it him that has to make yeah. that decision? Like, you really, what we, this is becoming clear that we need to get like an uh, older Sabres Twitter guy to dress up as like Morris Titanic right and yeah. try to go and take Terry to lunch yeah. and be like hey listen man actually numbers are cool can I tell you about yeah, yeah. SGF you should just be like the ghost of Seymour Knox or something and then just appear to him in a dream that's yeah, actually just... that's how that's the only way it can happen yeah, it could work yeah like I feel like there's some things that teams that are doing like Carolina probably after they hired Tulsi that are probably too subtle or and or like you said before like proprietary data that we don't really know right about. yeah so you wouldn't even be able to tell what they're doing but then there's other things that have seemingly worked that are right out in the open that are kind of analytics driven and it's something that me and brandon have talked about a few times is how this past decade tampa was just like let's just draft the small guys that score a lot that no one wants. right yeah and how's that worked out it worked yeah. out pretty great like they mm-hmm. have i'd say any of the teams that have been like good for an extended period of time recently they're the ones that have the most guys who aren't first round picks mm-hmm. i mean boston's had some success in the mid rounds but tampa's had guys like you know like kucherov is like late first round you have like tyler johnson Pilot, Point. Point, all these guys that weren't like really good prospects at all yeah i think kucherov was a second round pick <clears throat> yeah yeah Actually, like, yeah yeah he was yeah but no it, the but it was past the bullets might have done it it's a canucks blog might not have been past the bullets but they did this thing where they basically like they said, "Oh yeah, if a potato was the GM yeah. and the only directive the potato had was to pick the highest scoring Canadian junior player versus anyone else on the board, how much better would the drafts be?" And like it was better, like they did yeah. better. But and and it's not even the crazy thing. It's like you don't even necessarily have. It's not even through the lens of hindsight. It's literally like Jason, like Jason Pomville is one of the players who ended up popping up. Like Jason Pomville had 
33 goals and 75 points, whatever it was, his draft year, he would have been Vancouver's second-round pick that year had they just picked the highest-scoring player. And his career, we know, has been pretty good. Yeah. And it's, so it's it's not even saying, like, oh, well, yeah, Braden Point was a third-round pick, but they should have picked him in the first round. It's literally, like, just pick the highest-scoring guy. Right. So that there's it's there was, like, kind of a linear <clears throat> thing to it. Now, they didn't pick any defensemen or any goalies, and that changes a lot of stuff. They that didn't, would be tough. Yeah, they didn't take into account any other league besides the CHL either. So, like, yeah. there are teams that are exploiting other avenues that, that wouldn't have come up in that. But, like, the just the fact that that simple of a – of a thought experiment could yield better results. Oh yeah, you know, was, like as I remember it too, they showed Vancouver's actual picks in that time. They're terrible, like, terrible. Yeah. Post Sedin's until like 13, 14 era, mm-hmm. and it's like it was significantly better just to get yeah. the wow. highest scoring forward. There's basically almost no NHLers that they took, where the guys they did take, like they left and were NHLers somewhere else. Mm-hmm. The thought process that goes into that, I mean, obviously, I feel like now it's like every week at least once we always bring it up, but like with Botterill, the perfect example is like last year's draft with Ryan Johnson instead of any of the guys who are on the board, Kylev, Brink, Robertson, like you have these guys there who, I mean, Brink is obviously like a U.S. guy, but like they are lighting it up. Yeah, Yeah, they light it up, and it's like, so you're going to take a guy, I mean... You know, it seems like people, some people, like Chris Baker, I know, is, like, really high on, like, Ryan Johnson. But, like, Mm -hmm. is that really what you need to do when your biggest problem is that you can't score goals and then you just have guys that, like, their specialty is just only scoring goals? Bobby Brink might not – I wasn't, like, a big fan of Kaliev's. Like, I Mm kind of – like, I when during the World Juniors, I equated him to Uncle Jesse. Like, you put him in one spot and he scores from it. But, Mm -hmm. like, so I wasn't too keen on him just because, like, the skating, all the – Cons about his skating, like, I believed it. And now Bobby Brink wasn't lauded as a good skater either, but, like, I was like, take Bobby Brink. Like, and I just, like, there might, there's no difference between the, the potential of Brink making it mm-hmm. versus Johnson if you look at just draft trends. And so, literally, they both might not ever make it. Right. But how much better do you feel as a fan? Just generally speaking, if you're, like, you're watching Bobby Brink put up points versus Ryan Johnson putting up, like, eight points so right. far and no goals and, like, I just, just that alone, like that, that just, it just changes your mindset. And again, that's just a fan perspective too. Like it doesn't really affect much of anything. Like we haven't seen them trade too many prospects lately. Like Brennan Gooley's the first prospect they traded in quite a while in season, yeah. you know, from a, from an in season perspective, like these guys don't move that often. And you'd like to think that they would exploit that more, more often than they would. But like, these GMs are just, like, afraid of their own shadows. It's brutal. It's crazy, well, I yeah. think there's some fans that don't like the idea of it, and I, I th- still think there are people idea of looking what? at of trading prospects. Oh, of, pro- okay. of, like, Murray, like, trading as many prospects as he did. But really, like, what O'Reilly and Kane did for the Sabres, even though it wasn't on years where they made the playoffs, was more valuable than what those guys were going to do. Like, most of the guys they traded are right. either just fine or not in the NHL anymore. Right. Like, yeah, like, GT Comfort, at best. Yeah. He's probably the best one that they've traded. Was going to be... <laughs> Was maybe going to be Ryan O'Reilly, and yeah. he is not. He yeah. will not be Ryan O'Reilly. But like right. that was at best what you had with him. Armia took four more years to be the player he is now, and, and he's, he's which is on two different teams since. Right? Since yeah, like, yeah. He's twenty seven years yeah, old. Yeah, he's old. He will be twenty. Yeah, and he's just he's a twenty eleven draft pick. Yeah, like yes, he's playing Crazy. well. Good for him. Like I'm glad that he's playing well. But like it wasn't going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Like it just wasn't going to happen. So like yeah, the best player they traded would probably be Comfort or I guess Zadorov. 
And he gets yeah. he's a third defenseman. He's a third pair defenseman. Yeah, right. and Comfort's so like, on their third line. He might be on their fourth line, but they're good. They're yeah, really yeah. Good. Comfort so, is definitely solid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he would help them right now. There's no doubt about it. Oh, for sure. But, yeah, but it just like. If they hadn't traded O'Reilly, you'd be like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, you trade JT Confer and right. for yeah. O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, something bad happens oh. in between then. Let's, let's not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so just to, to pivot then, I guess, I mean, any other last thoughts that we have on the uh, on the trade deadline at all? or I really, note? like, I am at the point, we had talked about this on our podcast last week, Tyler and I were like, are they not at the point where it's like you almost need them to do something? Like, oh, or, yeah. and not even like, again, from the fan perspective, like, I need them to do something because I want them to do anything. Mm-hmm. But I almost wonder, like, are they not in a position where, like, you've got to get some talent? Like, they have no forward talent whatsoever. Like, beyond Eichel's line, there's, they're so thin. And I just, like, I'm looking around, like, so Kasha was available, very available. Now, whether or not you trade a first round pick for him, like, I'll leave that to each person's discretion because that's, it was a fair price. But, like, there are guys out like Josh Anderson's out there now. Again, Josh Anderson's out there. Like I love Josh Anderson, mm-hmm. but they're talking that Columbus expects to get the same return that Blake Coleman got. That's insane to me. Yeah, like I that, love Josh that return Anderson. was yeah. I think more surprise. Like yeah, like I love Josh Anderson, but a first round pick and a, a no. like I would argue Nolan Foot was an A. He's prospect. solid. Yeah. yeah, like maybe not a a and Coleman. I mean, he's what twenty eight years old or something. Yeah, like back that to back right twenty four years. Like I, I see it, and he's cheap. Like I see that side of it. Because remember, like early in the year, I was talking to some people. I was like, I wonder if we could go, like when New Jersey was already terrible, mm-hmm. and it was like October fifth. <laughs> but like I was like, I wonder if you can get out of there. We were, I was like, Miles Woods not a bad looking player. Like generally speaking, Jesper Bratt's a fun mm-hmm. player. Like I wonder. If, I like and I was like, and like someone was like, what about Coleman? I was like, yeah, what about that guy? And then I looked, I was like, oh, he's already 28, though. Like, yeah. I'm th- scared of that 30 year old wall. But, like, I like I would love if they got Josh Anderson, but are they going to trade, like, Casey Middlestad and a second round pick for him? Like, that's tough. Like, I, I know Casey Middlestad's struggling, but, like, and he isn't, like, blown up, but it's still tough. That's a tough call to make. But this I mean, is, I mean, this is, it, it goes back to the entire like the the main conversation that we've been having this entire season which is you have a wealth of defensemen right both yeah on and the that's roster the big yeah, that's and the, in the prospect right. pipeline too i mean re- like really though like he was a high second round pick i know people kind of, he's like a whipping boy sometimes but like matias samuelson like i get it for the fact that he has like a higher uh floor than mm-hmm. like a lot of guys but like Trading him for a forward, like, what are you really losing? Yeah. Like, is that like a loss to your prospect system where you're like, damn, we're going to probably regret losing that guy later? And I'm going to, for the majority of guys that they have right now, I'm going to say no. I mean, outside of, it depend. I mean, honestly, even depending on what they could get for Ryan Johnson, like, I wouldn't think twice no, about it. it. Anybody outside of Cousins and UPL, like, I'm fine with yeah. it. Like, it, if sure, it's going to get like, you something. If, if Montour and Ristolainen are interchangeable as a trade ship mm-hmm. from their NHL roster, Johnson and Samuelson should be interchangeable totally. as trade ships from totally. the prospect pool because they're both left-handed defensemen. They're drafted a year apart. So, like, just looking at their timeline, like, it's going to intersect. So, who mm-hmm. is it? Who do you value more? And, more, maybe more importantly, who can get you more? Right. Because, to your point, Taylor, like, the odds that they both are really good are pretty low. And the fact that you already have Rasmus Dahlin on the left side, like, 
they aren't great on the left side. Like, actually, it's interesting. Like, you look, like, Montrose has been stuck playing left side all year almost, mm-hmm. right? Like, McCabe stinks. They should trade him, by the way. Like, there'd be another nice, yeah, be another nice in, one to, yeah. to see. Move, I did want to bring that yeah. up. If, like, Marco Scandella gets you a 2 and a 4, like, what can you get for Jake McCabe? Just look at all the, like... It's insane. Martinez, DeMello, Dylan, yeah. Scandella all got second or third round returns. Like, you yeah. probably should be able to get a third round pick for Jake McCabe. DeMello was the second. one. When I saw yeah, DeMello, yeah. I was like, McCabe would right. have to nut that then. Like, And, like, I know no. DeMello's more of an analytics darling, but, like... You should be able to get a third from a kid. He's got term, too. Like, mm. And there's another guy, like, if you find the right GM who maybe values the grit more, the physicality more, right? could you not package him with a pick or another prospect, I don't know, to get a forward, to get a younger forward? I think the thing that's interesting about a guy like McKay, but the point I want to make is more so going back to, like, the conversation about Opozo, um, you know, with, like, the Bacchus trade and everything. When you're talking about, like assets and everything and like the fact that boston sent a first i think also like a huge part of that though is like just getting like that additional cap space off your books is huge and so like if you had to tell me like where i don't know like if i'm a gm and i have a guy like a poser or like a bacchus on there where i'm gonna get a guy in return who's like solid he's probably not worth a first round pick maybe a little bit closer to it probably more comfortably a second but i can get five million plus of dead yeah. weight off my cap, I'm giving up a first and not, not looking back. I think um, they should hold on to Akpose, to be honest with you. Like, at this point, like, he's a good fourth liner. He makes too much money. But if they do a good job optimizing the rest of their lineup, it won't matter. I just now, don't trust him, too. That's my whole thing. Well, that's the problem, yeah, right. Yeah. But I don't trust, but I also then wouldn't trust him to make the trade. That's true. You know? I don't so, trust him to do yeah. anything. Yeah. So, like, if, it's all just, if you know, if one statements at this point. But, like, if... You keep Kyle Post, which I think they should, because he's like he's to the point now. I think where like he's a really good fourth line. Yeah, player. definitely like, solid. So if the only problem is like he makes six million dollars, Gergensen's and Larson both make over a million bucks, which at you're reaching a point with both of those guys where like you're starting to pay too much mm-hmm. for a fourth line talent anyway. And then Evan Rodriguez, who's been in on the lineup, makes another two million. So you're spending ten million dollars on those four players who are. Either in the press box or in your fourth line. So, like, if they were able to optimize their lineup and they find a couple guys who are on entry-level deals, like Curtis Lazar, Mm -hmm. he's making 700000 bucks. He's been very good, yeah. Yeah. So, like, if if they optimize their lineup better, you can – it's more palatable to deal with Akposo's downfall, which is out of everyone's control, really. Mm -hmm. Like, at the very least, then, like – because right now they at least have a player who's contributing well. And quite frankly, that line needs the offense because mm-hmm. Larry can't score. Like he's not an offensive player. Like he's good at everything else. He just right. doesn't score. And Gergensen's is—he's having a good year goal scoring wise, but generally speaking, he's not going to score a lot of goals for you. So like, they kind of need that guy to to be able to finish for him. And so like, I'm cool with holding on to him if if they just like if you get one or two guys in the bottom six who are going to make under a million dollars. And that's the problem. It's like yeah. Jimmy Vesey's making over three. Connor Sherry makes a decent penny. Michael Forleek makes four million, four and a half million dollars. Like, so you got to, if they optimize better elsewhere, the cap genius that he is, like you can deal with, at least you can deal with that post. Yeah. And there's and no way also as a side, something I've been thinking about, I know for name has been coming up 
for like potential trade. There's no way yeah. because there's no way that after what just happened with Scandella that he Bonner takes a fifth or a sixth, take, right? Yeah, yeah. There's there's no chance. Yeah, he's got a safe face. One thing that I wanted to actually bring up to you guys that it kind of actually deals with the trade deadline, but like indirectly. Um, and over the past like couple of weeks, we saw finally Marcus Johansson pivot and play on the wing. And yeah. I don't and know about you guys. Yeah, he's back to center. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. He was awesome on the yeah. wing. He is like a very solid two-way winger who, if God help us, if they can just fill out their lineup like down the middle next year, if he's your third-line left winger, I feel really, really good about that. Um, so I'm just curious for your guys' thoughts on that. I just thought that that was something that was kind of relevant, and I, I think a few people were kind of, chatting about it on social media. Well, it goes back to your thing about Kruger, right? Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, that, that, that just, uh, I don't get it. It's like you see right in front of you how something works, mm-hmm. and then you just willingly want to break it up. Um, which I'm curious. I mean, I kind of, I hope the next time that uh, Howard and, and Kruger, you know, go at Spar. it with each other, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that comes up or something. But I mean, that speaks to an issue. Not, uh, I don't know if I would specifically say it's Bobshell's fault. It's a little bit his fault. They went into the year with that as kind of the plan, though. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have a second line mm-hmm. center. And they... Unless they were betting on middle stat again. Yeah, right? like, they, they should have known that that yeah. was not a good idea. Right. And that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was game the first game of the year. He was, Johansson was playing center mm-hmm. on the second mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's kind of a bad plan all around. At this point, obviously, it's failed, and he should really try to, you know, I save want, face. And I would love to know how much, how much Botterill, like, how often, I guess, that he, like, tell something to Kruger to be like, you should do this. Yeah, because he was on the radio in the spring saying, like, we believe Sam Reinhart should run it. Like, basically saying, like, yeah, he's going to be on his own line next year. And then in the summer, he's like, well, because they hadn't gotten any right wing help or any center help. He's like, well, we think, we know Connor Sherry can play right wing. Neither of those things have happened at all. Like, so I don't know, like, is that Botterill? Is it Kruger? I I don't know. But, like, yeah, the Johansson thing, like, you had Evan Rodriguez playing pretty well again. And honestly, like, I could see a scenario where a Skinner Rodriguez Johansson line would be an acceptable trio, mm-hmm. but now Skinner's with Lazar and Frolik. So, yeah, it's just there's some weird stuff. It's what weird. are we doing? Yeah. yeah, and at this point, it's like I don't know who else I'd want to play center on that line. Like, mm-hmm. Larry. I mean, honestly, like yeah. Larson. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah. It's it's so tough. But again, that just goes back to the greater point that like. To me, the greatest disservice that Jason Botterill has done is not getting somebody to play with Jeff Skinner. I mean, mm-hmm. y- you can't... Obviously, with the amount of money that he makes, I get it. He has to be able to finish. But, like, he's he is so good. Like, objectively, like, the numbers back it up. Like, if you, like, watch without any bias, like, he performs and he creates offense and he creates chances... He, it, sometimes he doesn't finish, but like if you actually give him somebody though who's like at his level, I, I think that he's like you're gonna see the guy we saw last year, and I tend to think that that's gonna happen next year anyways. I think that like I get it that everybody's kind of like freaking out about it a little bit, but I think that he's gonna turn it back on mm-hmm. next year. At the very, I don't know. I to me, we'll see if he actually is ready because I know we have to learn from the mistakes with middle stat and everything, but like. God damn it, I want to see Cousins center Jeff Skinner and just see those two, like, go to work. Yeah. It, it beats Curtis Lazar. Certainly I'm does. About yeah. It. Playing either a winner no or No disrespect to Curtis. Right. Yeah, like, Lazar's been fine. Right. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. We everyone knows we've had too, we have too many fourth liners on the team. Half the team is yeah. fourth liners. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's better than when half the team was AHLers. Yeah. But still not yeah. not optimal. Small improvements. Yeah. Baby steps. We're getting there. Well. <sighs> Any last thoughts here? I do actually. Yeah. I have a quick thing. The reason I was on my phone a minute ago is I came. I, I have a. Um, NHL related quiz, probably a quick one. Let's too, do it. I think. Is it so, better than last yeah, week's? Well, <laughs> it, yeah, it better be. No, this it's way better. Is and it's I don't think it should be too hard. So, Alex Ovechkin yesterday, Saturday, seven hundredth goal mm-hmm. at age thirty four, incredible, um, and he's well on his way to his ninth fifty goal season, which in, in this day, which I think is either tying or breaking a record uh, with Gretzky. Either way, it's incredible. He's playing through the second dead puck era and everything, you know. Basically, he's the only guy that consistently scores 50 goals. So since the 05-06 lockout, which has been his spans his entire career, he has eight 50-goal seasons, and 14 other guys have 50-goal seasons in that span. Can you name Cool. Them? Yes. I do want to say, I think the last time that we did a quiz with Chris on for Rick's reviews. I'm pretty sure we killed it, so I'm liking our Oof. chances for this. All right. I'm not feeling great, to be honest with you. I'm trying to rack All my right. brain. So guys who've scored 50 goals in that time period. Who aren't Alex O'Neill? Yeah, Danny Heatley, for one. Yes, Danny Heatley is two of them. Um, Steven Stamkos. Yeah, Steven Stamkos is two of them. Did Kovalchuk? Uh, he ha- he's also two of them. He scored 52 twice with Atlanta. Sweet, so okay. So that's six of the guys already. They're almost halfway there. Hmm. Crosby? Crosby did once, yes. Did Malkin? Malkin did once. That's eight. Cool. Um, this is, what year is this since again? 0506. 05, 06. So post-lockout okay. pretty much? Post, yeah. Two lockouts ago, but yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Who the hell else would have? Hmm. I don't believe McDavid has. I know he's... Yeah, he close to 100 yeah. points most no. every year, but no, mm. bum, just racking up 70 assists. Yeah, <laughs> let's see, 50 goals. Um, Did you say Koval- Kovalev? Kovalev did not score 50 goals. No, Kovalev's not, not on here. There's I had a couple of those like decent years. How many right are after the lockout? How many are active? How many of the guys left are active? Yeah. Oh, uh, let me see here. I believe we have six guys left. Um, we have one active, two active. Is Martin St. Louis one of them? No. No. He's another guy. You guys are on the right path here with some of these guys, but. Um, God. Hmm. Blake Wheeler? No. That's a good guess. I think he's also a big assist. He's put up 40, I think, before, hasn't he? Yeah, probably. 50's a tough one, I mean. It really is, yeah. Um, how about a Ginla? A Ginla, yes. There we go. Five to go. Uh, all right. Five to go. Two active, you said? Yes. What's his name? Chichu. Chichu. Jonathan Chichu, yeah. of course. Chichu. He has uh, tied with the second most goals. Or the second, or excuse me, the, tied for the third highest scoring season. So that's 05 06 with 56 yeah. wow. goals. 56. Um, Out of the NHL three years later. Un- that's, un- that's an unbelievable story. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's nuts. Let's oh, see. Man. So, yeah. Four guys left here. Now, or five. Wait, did I count that wrong? This is total. I'm. Joe Sackick? No. 
I was thinking him or um, Peter Forsberg wouldn't have. No, uh, those guys are both pre-lockout, no, really, know, in yeah. terms of their primes. If you want any hints, we could probably do hints. All right. Yeah, I could use a hint because yeah. I'm stumped. I'm, I'm, like, going through team by team, and I can't think of. One no. guy was last season. That's, that's, that's one of the guys. Was <laughs> uh, last year? Pasternak? No. Pasternak Kane? No. Oh. Um... One guy. I'll put up fifty last year. One guy did it. Oh five, oh six, literally the year of the lockout. Uh, he was right behind Chichu. Uh, one guy is oh six, oh seven, and one guy is twenty ten, eleven. It wasn't Drysaddle last year, was it? Was it was It was okay. Yeah. Yeah, he had a. Uh, I'm kind of surprised he had fifty goals and fifty five assists last year. Good lord. Hey, yeah, remember he we actually early in the year predicted who was going to win the. Uh, the Art Ross between the two of them, and I'm pretty sure I sat in him. Like he's, yeah. he's, well, he's, he's, he's lifted my yeah. my fantasy team to great heights. So yeah. <laughs> I'm stumped. I'm still. I can't. God. So how many more do we have? Five? No, you have three more. Now. Three more. Yeah. One active. Yes, one active. Uh, I'll say this though: the guy that's active is not. Uh, he's active in the most uh, generous sense of the word. He's not very good right now. I wouldn't. Is say. he actually playing, or is yes, he like yeah. uh, okay? Yeah. Um, just looking right now, he's uh, yeah, he's got five goals this year. Wait, did Yager do it? Did we say him? Yes, Yager did it. You okay. did not see him. Yeah, that's the guy that was 0506. He had 54 okay. goals. All right. Two more, one active, one retired. Um, and Norm has five goals this season. Five. Oh, man. All right. So I'll give you a hint on this one, the guy that's active right now. Okay. The year he did this, he won the Hart Trophy. That doesn't help me. <laughs> in 2010-11. He won the heart in 2010-11? Yep. For an Eastern or Western Conference team? Western. Hell, man. Is he a Stanley Cup champion? Not a beloved player. Hmm. I was going to say Jamie Benn, but I know it's not him. Um, Are you on the right track with that? Uh. Corey Perry. Corey Perry. Oh, Corey wow. Perry. Damn. Jeez. Oh, my God. goals in... Uh, Shit. I should have thought of that. Holy cow. 2010-11. Yeah, no, that was not... And then one oh, more guy. Who's retired? Him. Who's retired. Eastern or Western? Eastern. 06-07. He had... Wow, he had 52 goals, 56 assists, 108 points. Hmm. Any other hints you can give besides the fact that they... Stanley Cup champion? Uh... Top pick? I don't know if he. Was, I don't think he was the first overall pick, but he was a top five pick. When did he retire? Uh, recent past year. Twenty fifteen sixteen was his last year. Um, this was this is the year he led the league in goals. He, uh, it's the only year he did that. This is in the, it was what year was that? Oh six oh seven. Alfredson? No. I was no. thinking him too, actually. Spetsa? No, Spetsa's still playing. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Is it Zetterberg? Nope, no Eastern. Well, Detroit's in the East now, but oh well, yeah, yeah. it was in the At West. The time they you're the West. right, you're right. My bad. Uh, oh man, we are not about 15, to do 16. this. Mm-hmm. Are they a Canadian or American team? The team, the team is American. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, he actually, I was wrong. He is the first overall pick. He was. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to give it away, but he was a captain, and then he was a captaincy stripped from. 
McAvoy? Oh, okay. Damn, I was gonna say him a while ago too. I was thinking about him, and then I wasn't sure I didn't if think he was he more ever, of a playmaker. I never thought he scored fifty. Yeah, yeah. honestly, because he I, did have a huge. I remember he had that. He had a crazy points. year. He the next year he had forty. Wow. No, no other season did he have forty besides the next year. Though. He had fifty-two, forty, and his next best was thirty-five. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that was that was a fun seven. one. Wow. Yeah, I would have never ever guessed that. Yeah, McAvoy was the one I was kind of surprised to see. I kind of remember the Corey Perry one because it was so sudden. Because it was like yeah, all year, right. everyone's like, oh, Daniel Sedin's going to win, and Henrik had won the year before. Mm-hmm. And it was like the last two months of the year, Perry scored like right. 20 goals and got the Ducks into like the eighth seed. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That'll get that'll be Jack someday if that ever happens. It could be this year, honestly. Like, I do think, like, if they make the playoffs, he'll probably be top three. Like, he'll be a finalist. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he'll win it, but if they make the playoffs, I think he's. He should it. win it if they make the playoffs. That well, that was the Taylor Hall argument, right? Like, yeah, it was yeah. Hall McDavid, right? That year was, yeah. was the argument. And McKinnon, right? Kind of the same yeah. thing, but and I mean, McDavid's going to end up missing ten plus games. Yeah, so he's probably out. Drives it a right. little slow down he a might. bit, yeah. But he now now that he's, if they make the playoffs, especially without McDavid, honestly, he'll get a lot of love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then McKinnon, since he's the only guy in his team that was healthy for most of the year, but right, wow. Well, all right, this has been uh, this has been a pleasure, Chris. Yeah, thank you so much for coming yeah, back of course, on. I we uh, we'll be sure to to tag everything uh, you know in the post, but uh, be sure to check out Two in the Box. Check out Chris on Twitter. I believe it's at two itb underscore buffalo. That's correct. Perfect. All right, great. Yeah, check him out. Check out the blog. Check out the podcast. Uh, as always, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, um, glad we worked it out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com and on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. You can find us on Twitter, if I knew how to talk, at Blue and Goldcast. Uh, as always, uh, it has been a pleasure, everybody. Let's hope that this trade deadline goes well and we will check in with everybody on Thursday. So without further ado, we will have our random Sabres player of the episode. If, Chris, you would like to join us in yeah. this one. All right. So we're going to share all of ours with you right now in three, two, one. Mike Peter Scudrid. Scudrid.